0: Hi, I'm Leola. I'm a sacred intimacy mentor and muse and the host of this podcast. Talk Tantra to Me introduces a playful perspective on sacred sexuality. My intention in this podcast is to integrate intimacy and spirituality, empowering you to reclaim your eroticism. It is my mission to inspire you to let go of shame, fear, and limiting beliefs to be present as your highest self in every moment. Thanks so much for tuning in. Now, let's talk Tantra. Welcome to Talk Tantra to Me. It is such an honor to be holding space for this empowering knowledge to make its way into your ears and lifestyle. Today I have Isabella. She is a professional dancer, author, and she is also founder of the nonprofit. She is powerful, which supports and empowers survivors of sexual abuse and trafficking. So really big topics we're going to be jumping into today. Super excited to have Isabella here. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me here today. Absolutely. Cool. So why don't we start by chatting in a bit about your journey? How did you discover your passion and purpose?
1: Oh my god, I've always loved dance. I was huge on musicals growing up and I would just always choreograph and perform for my parents every Friday and Saturday night. I would direct, produce, choreograph, star in, and I just knew dance was something that I just just had such a huge love and passion and connection with and that's how my journey started from, you know, being a professional dancer.
0: Amazing, cool. And how did that lead into becoming an author and then founding this nonprofit? Oh, well, that journey was
1: long, but um, I'm a survivor of child sexual abuse. And my abuse started at five years old throughout my whole childhood. And dance was honestly the only time that I could connect with my body. It was mm-hmm. the only time where I was just like, this is my body and nobody else's. And it was my self care for that one hour in class. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I think with anybody, once you turn on like a song that you just like love automatically your endorphins go up and you just get really excited. And that's where I knew my freedom was. That's honestly where I knew that I felt free. Mm. So being a survivor of abuse and my journey throughout there was one time where I, my parents separated and I didn't dance for like two years because we couldn't afford it anymore. And I didn't feel free. I felt small. I felt not important. I didn't have that outlet to express myself yeah. and I just felt so caged. And then I knew that when I finally got to go back to dance class, I was like, oh, this is, this is where I'm supposed to be. And then tying that in with, you know, um, my abuse and my nonprofit, it just kind of like came together. I was like, you know what? I'm a survivor of abuse. Dance was the only time that really, you know, helped me connect with my body. And this is what I want to share with other survivors. So then that's how I started my nonprofit
0: beautiful that's incredible and where are things now in terms of like your nonprofit, and what are what are the exciting things that are going on
1: in that space and with the dance and all those things well we started in 2014 and right now since the pandemic we're teaching online right now to survivors at you know they're actually not at shelters right now they're at home so just connecting with them Mm. that's the only way that we can really do that right now which is you know, it, it's hard because it is really hard to connect virtually, but we are trying the best that we can do. And yeah. so that's what we're doing right now. Okay. To cool. do that.
0: Beautiful. Are there any like upcoming fundraisers or ways that people
1: can support that aspect of what you do? Well, we just had a fundraiser not too long ago. So, um, I think the only thing right now is just through donations. We have merchandise that we sell as well. And, um, we do a free online class once a month for survivors. Um, if anybody wants to join or donate, they're more than welcome to. Okay, cool.
0: Sweet. And I'd love to get back into chatting a bit more about how movement can be this medicine, this outlet for healing. Would you like to expand more on what that looks like for you individually and maybe what you've seen, you know, across the, the people that you work
1: with? Oh my God. Absolutely. Um, dance. I, like I said, you know, once you hear like a song that you love, like automatically you get this tingling sensation and it just like this yummy feeling inside and you just want to express yourself and let it out and just Mm -hmm. feel the music. And it's, it's definitely something that has saved me. I know it sounds weird, but dance really did save me. Um, and that's what I wanted to share with these other girls. So, we do a mission trip to Southeast Asia. And we oh, work wow. with girls that are rescued from brothels and KTVs. Their parents sell them for a TV. And um, they're at the shelter. One of the organizations that we work with is called Destiny Rescue. Mm-hmm. And they live at the shelter. And when we go there, our first day with them, what I do is, you know, there's. I think the most girls that we taught were like 63 girls, wow. all young from like seven years old to, till 18 years old. Yeah. And we sit in the circle. I introduced myself and I asked two questions. I asked like, what's your favorite color and who do you look up to just to like get them warmed up? Because mm-hmm. you know, like we're foreigners. They've never like, what are these girls doing here? Like, yeah. why are they here? So I just want them to feel comfortable and open enough to share, you know, my experiences with them so they can feel like they're not alone or Mm -hmm. feel ashamed or dirty or, you know, um, any of the emotions that are feeling about themselves. So once I do that, I have everybody like have their legs out in the circle and I have them touch their toes and appreciate their toes, their feet, their, you know, their legs, their stomach and you know, every single part of their body because I want them to know that this is their body, this is their temple, this is Mm -hmm. theirs. It's nobody's allowed to touch them. You know, especially when they get older to make sure they have consent. When they're in a relationship, like it's your body. It's nobody else's. So kind of like reprogramming their mind to let them know, like, no, nobody's allowed to touch me. Like I'm allowed to touch me. Mm-hmm. Um, so once we do that, then we start the dance class. And I honestly see these girls grow so much. They're like, you know, shy, intimidated. They feel uncomfortable. And to like these, beautiful young adults who just start dancing and having fun and opening up and feeling confident and feeling more, you know, comfortable in their own body and their own skin. And it's just such an incredible like, feeling to see. And once I start sharing my story about my abuse, they're like, wait, that happened to you? I'm like, yeah, it's did. It. They're like, but it happened to me. And wow. they start opening up and we do like one-on-one sessions with a translator because it is Southeast Asia. So they don't really speak that well of English and they want to start opening up. And I mm-hmm. think once you start to open up and connect, I feel like that's like a, like a jumpstart to their journey to healing.
0: Yeah. That's so beautiful. I love this whole story and it's so powerful. And I definitely resonate with this idea. Even in Tantra, we say breath, sound, and movement are the three ways that you move energy. And like mm-hmm. when you're moving, energy, to me, emotion um, is energy in motion. So mm-hmm. when you're able to tap into sound, breath, and movement, which are such a big part of dance, like mm-hmm. they're the three foundational things as well. It's, it can be so like clearing and so healing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually also did some nonprofit work in South Asia, in yeah. India, working with, uh, I filmed a documentary about um, survivors of sex trafficking trafficking while I was there. So it's really, really powerful to be in that space too. And like there's so much opportunity to offer therapy in that space and it's really needed. So I really value what you're doing. And I think that like, this is such a good moment to say, like buy the merchandise in yeah, yeah. the <laughs> fundraisers. Cause it's really incredible and beautiful work. And these girls really do deserve a healing journey. Mm-hmm. So amazing. At, you know, moving from this, I'd love to jump into, like, what are some resources or, like, what would you what would you tell someone that feels like they might have had a sexual assault, sexual trauma, abuse, or, like, even, like, a non-consensual experience that they're confused about?
1: I think with, with like, childhood or just with, like, in general? Um, let's
0: start with childhood because I feel like that's where we're at. But, I mean, yeah, let's start there.
1: I think what... We're, I mean, we're starting to talk about this more, you know, the parents really need to educate themselves about like abuse and good touch, bad touch. We don't talk Mm -hmm. to our kids about that, especially back then with my parents, they never talked about, you know, what is allowed if somebody was to touch you or, um, you know, oh, this is our little secret. And I feel like talking to your kids, what I've learned in parenting, um, for parents for like parents that are survivors, how to talk to your kids or just in general, I think any, everybody, every parents should listen to this and they're free online. When your child starts to say like, you know, mom, dad, ear eyes, then you talk to them the proper way of vagina penis. Like, yeah, you know, nobody's supposed to touch you here and be very Mm -hmm. firm with your kids. And, You know, talk to them about it. Don't be... Ashamed to talk to your kids or embarrassed about that, like
0: yeah, it's a reflection. Like they're embarrassed, yeah, and so that's an invitation to do your own healing work around your body. If Mm -hmm. you have a problem talking to someone else about your part, like that's there's a there's a thread here, and that's how it perpetuates. That's how we Mm -hmm. see like this go down an ancestral line as well.
1: Yeah, because then you know, as kids, we don't know. So if somebody touches us there, and they say, "Oh, it's our little secret." you know, as a little kid, you're like, Oh wait, it's a secret. Oh my God. Yeah. You know, even if it makes you feel uncomfortable, they glamorize it or, you know, make you feel special uh-huh. because you know, your parents didn't teach you about boundaries. And like I said, the good touch, bad touch. So, I mean, I didn't even realize I was abused until I was older. And I started yeah. talking to people more and really educating myself about it. Um, That's when I knew like, oh my God, this happened to me. Or I would have flashbacks, PTSD. And Mm -hmm. I was acting out as, you know, a teenager and just being really rebellious. And my parents were like, oh, she's just a problem. But really, you know, when I told my parents about the abuse, they didn't do anything. So when they didn't do anything, I just started acting out in different ways. Yeah. So I think really, you know, if you don't talk to your kids about this, if their behavioral changes, I think you really need to be like, you know, my daughter, my son, you know, they're acting a little different, something, you know, strange or I'd, the things that they would do normally, they're doing it differently. I think really like sitting down and starting to talk to them about like, you know, having that open conversation with them and not making them feel bad about yeah. what happened. If something did happen, you know, just really having that open conversation with them.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And how did that shift for you? Like, when did you feel like you started to begin to like accept what happened and get the support that you needed? Like, what can people do in that situation?
1: I didn't get support until I was way older. Um, Through friends, I started to get support from Mm -hmm. other, talking to other women who through like women empowerment organizations. When I started talking to them, I really felt their support, therapy, Reiki, meditation, like yeah. all of that I just think is something that you can support yourself in starting to open up and start talking to people about it.
0: Beautiful. And how does this play out in dynamics as you start to like relate and, and get into relationships, like further romantic or sexual relationships
1: as a survivor, like what, what can that look like? Or how does that manifest? Oh my God. It manifests really bad in the beginning. <laughs> it's not good. I've been in a ton of unhealthy relationships. Um, and another thing that I did leave out that I did write about was, uh, my cousin started grooming me at 12 years old and I started stripping at 16. Wow. So she was taking all of my money and essentially she was trafficking me and she was my pimp. Um, So having that relationship with her because my parents weren't there for me or showing me any affection or love. Like she was the only person that was showing me this love and um, which made me feel like, okay, well, she loves me. She's not going to put me in a, you know, a bad position with anything. Mm -hmm you know, it's just a strip club. And, you know, I started making a lot of money and she started taking my money. So my relationship with men was really just not a good one because you're forced to talk to older men and being 16 and I'm a junior in high school. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, Try to, to think, could, trying to convince them to get a lap dance from me or like talk to them. It was just like, so I had to grow up really fast yeah, and know what men, you know, uh, like understanding what they want and kind of reading them. And, yeah. you know, so when I was at the club, like I would see all these men, you know, around the stage. I'm like, okay, he wants to dance with me, not him. He felt, you know, like, so it's just like, I could start reading these men out just, you know, it's just crazy. And, um, so definitely a lot of unhealthy relationships. And I was ashamed to tell them what happened to me and, you know, what I went through because you didn't talk about it. And, um, so it was really hard now that I'm older and have gone through therapy and do Reiki. And now, um, I'm with a part, an amazing partner, a woman, and she, Understands me. She actually co wrote my book with me.
0: Oh, wow.
1: So she took this class actually about um, when you are with somebody who is abused. I think it's a book called Ghosts in the Bedroom. She mm-hmm. read that one. And oh my God, my stomach is growling. We
0: have <laughs> We're <after. probably> here. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and Um, she took this class about being intimate with your partner, like things to do and, you know, to make sure she's okay or aware because of, you know, my abuse started at five years old through seven different people. So it wasn't just, you know, once or twice, it was multiple times. So especially the men at the club too, and taking advantage of me.
0: Yeah. So ghost in the bedroom is the Mm -hmm. name of the book. Yeah. Yeah. I'll have to check that out. I haven't heard of that. Yeah. Incredible. I mean, I can definitely relate to this as well. I've also been sexually assaulted and have my own story of trauma and it like can sneak up on you, Mm -hmm. you know, like, like things that I felt like I healed from already, like I'll be, you know, like we'll be trying some new position or something, especially whatever it is. And like, I'll have a flashback or something and it can be really difficult for partners. I feel like to understand because suddenly, like depending on what your trauma response Mm -hmm. is, you're like shutting down, potentially you're like flighting, you're leaving, you know, like there might be like tensing in the body. Like there's so many things that can happen and it can feel like to the partner as, like, what did I do? Mm -hmm. Oh my God, this is my fault. And it's like, I think just not taking it personally is such a big part of that. And like being the sanctuary, you know? Um, and I'm really grateful as well to have someone and to have had, you know, several relationships that I've been able to like slowly speak about these things to them and heal like, you know, from, because I feel there's also such a story of like victim blaming and like, like, even like, I know it's not my fault, but like, I still am terrified to tell you, you know, like it's, it's really complex for Mm -hmm. sure. So, um, yeah. Moving from there. Um, is there anything else that you see that like partners can do to show up or like how, you know, like you can gain confidence to even share that part of your story with
1: someone? Yeah. I think, I think what really helps is, couples therapy too, which really helped me as well. I mean, I was married before to a guy who's amazing. Um, we're actually really good friends still, Okay, but we didn't have that open communication. I was still working through a lot of shame and it's my fault and the whole victim blaming. Mm-hmm. And if I didn't want to be intimate with him, then I would feel guilty because I didn't or, you know, yeah. so, But now that I'm with a woman, it makes so much sense. I'm like, Oh, this is where I'm supposed to be. And I feel more open to talk to her. And she really understands me. And we went to couple therapy for a little bit and she's just, and what I think is really helpful too, is like, if this is somebody that you really see yourself with, like, I mean, I, if it was me, like I would want her to feel comfortable. So I would do research myself if, you know, if she, if, it was in reverse with her. She does her own research. And if I feel uncomfortable, like he said, we tried this new position like not too long ago and I felt so uncomfortable and, you know, I just started talking to her about it. And I think allowing yourself to create, if there's like a bond between you two and you create this safe space to really talk about it openly, I think it's such a beautiful, incredible feeling. And I think if anything, I got closer with her. And when we talk about these issues and I don't feel judged and I really think you need to find a partner who understands you and who is willing to do the work with you.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think that that's such an important piece. And even talking about like the couple's therapy or like, like, I feel like there's a lot of fear, especially at the beginnings of relationships to bring up like these sorts of elements and. It can be difficult because mm-hmm. you're like, "Oh, I don't want to come off as, you know, being, you know, too much or being like this thing that they have to do in this like fixing yes. thing," oh, which is God. yeah, it's super hard. But like here's the thing, the right person is going to like want to work through mm-hmm. these things with you. Um and if someone is like feeling resistance in that way, like just let them go. Like it's like it's it can feel really tough and like I don't want to make it seem like it's easier said than done, but it's like the only way to move forward because mm-hmm. they're, they're honestly giving you a gift of saying, okay, like this person obviously isn't emotionally mature enough to like handle this sort of situation. I don't know if you have anything to speak into on that. Like, what do you do if your partner just like, isn't willing to like make the shifts?
1: If they're not willing to make the shifts, I don't think it's a good relationship. I think it's a toxic relationship. I was in a Toxic relationship before my girlfriend, and with another woman who it was a lot of gaslighting. Yeah, and I didn't understand what gaslighting was, and I saw the patterns of like my childhood and how I was gaslighted, like growing up. And I was just like, "Whoa, there's something." And I think as as women, or just in general, we we're very we can feel things. Our intuition is Mm -hmm. always on point. We just really have to trust that. And I would meditate and I'd just be like, you know what, this is a really unhealthy relationship. Best decision I did was just leave and like completely like shut her out because it was a toxic relationship. I think as survivors, you know, we tend to want to be drawn to the toxic relationships. Mm -hmm. And for me, I've always been a person where I'm always in one foot and out the other. Like I'm never, because you can't trust the relationship. You don't feel comfortable, even though like, you know, my ex, you know, I did have great relationships. I was never two feet in because I was always afraid. And this is the first relationship where I'm like, I'm two feet in, I want to make this work. And being with somebody who is willing to do the work and not make you feel bad at all or guilty or shameful, you know, I, if you notice the red flags right, right away, I don't think you need to question them. I think you need to like, you know, cut that relationship and know your worthiness too, because I Mm -hmm. think we hold on to worthiness and know that you deserve something better. Yeah, absolutely. Like
0: you're giving them the gift of knowing yourself and the world on a deeper level And, like, not everyone's ready to receive that gift, and that's okay, Mm -hmm. you know? I think it can be especially challenging if you don't have, like, another support system, too. Like, I know I've been in those spaces where my relationship felt like, my deepest like connection like emotionally even though it like obviously wasn't because I didn't feel safe to like work through these Mm -hmm. things and in that case like there I feel like there are lots of other resources like obviously if you have friends or family that you can lean on like through that transition that's great and amazing but some people don't and I mean I don't know if you know of any resources that are good for for people that are kind of struggling and they don't feel like they have someone to like help them with that. you can you think of anything
1: yes support groups there's a lot of support groups you know out here in la as well treasures is a support group for you know sex workers strippers survivors of sexual abuse and sex trafficking i think meeting other people who are like you you don't feel like you're alone Mm -hmm. and you know you feel it's this safe space with them to openly talk about what you've been through not feel judged and i think the one thing that i hate was feeling judged or feeling pity like Oh my God, is that like that? Yeah. Oh, I hate that. Cause then it makes me feel, I don't know if you can relate. It makes me feel like I'm less than I guess, Mm -hmm. or I didn't, I'm not a survivor. I'm just this wounded person who didn't make, you know, didn't come out of it. I don't know. It just makes me feel really small. Um, and you know, especially like looking for a good therapist, because I know sometimes therapy, like you have to have that relate, you know, build this relationship with your therapist. It's, not like, oh, this, you know, right when you meet this therapist, they're supposed to help you right away. I think it's also building a relationship with them. And, but I do believe group therapy, you know, and I can, um, send you a few if you want to post. Yeah. I'll Um, put them in
0: the link below with the show
1: notes. Yeah. There was actually one today. There was like a group therapy, um, from with sisters of the streets. Okay. Um, so there's, there are a lot of resources out there, and on Eventbrite, there's actually a lot of free resources there, also. That if you just like type in what you're looking for, there's a ton which, you know, I just found out during the pandemic
0: really mm-hmm. on a right.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Interesting. And there's like online options too, I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, now everything is online, which is great because yeah, yeah. like this is happening to so many people that aren't living in a big city where they have access mm-hmm. to these things. And then, you know, I'll also say there are lots of like coaches and people in like the healing modalities around energy work and sexuality that are also, you know, available online to, you know, for anyone and everyone, but Mm -hmm. that's really incredible. Those resources. So thank you for sharing Mm -hmm. those as well. Um, I'm going to kind of move into wrapping up with some last questions. Is there anything else that you'd like to add on these subjects? So
1: specifically before I begin to close this out? Um, I think that if you are struggling with talking to somebody, just know, like, there are resources resources out there that won't judge you, and even messaging me, I won't judge you at all. You can send me a message and know that I, you know, will support you in any way that you need. Yeah. So, so you don't feel like you're alone because I felt alone for so long.
0: Yeah, I think that that's a really good thing to point out that like both of us have experienced different stories of trauma and abuse, and like coming back to that that feeling of like. Feeling talked down to, or like, uh, like just having someone that doesn't get it. Um, like I feel like this pain that I went through 100% got me to where I am today. Mm-hmm. And it's like made me a more powerful person because of it. It's made me more relatable to the people that I work with. Mm-hmm. I went on this whole healing journey. So now I have the, you know, resources and tools to do that. Um, and you have that too, you know? And so I think that like anyone listening that feels like they're on this path as well. And they'd like to go a little bit deeper. Feel free to reach out to one or both of us. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, that being said, how can people
1: find or support you or follow you? Uh, you can find me at Bella's pink machete, my Instagram. Um, I tried to change it, but I can't (laughs) because I got it a long time ago. That name, Uh, Bella's pink machete,
0: right? Yes.
1: I'll also put it in the show notes. Yeah. Um, Also my nonprofit, she is underscore powerful, um, or info at she is powerful.org or email me at Isabella at she is powerful.org and all of like, even my team, they're amazing. You have any questions, they're like on it and they'll help you out as much as they can as well.
0: Cool. We didn't talk about your book at all. Do you want to touch on that?
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, so my memoir is called Natasha's not my name. Um, it's about my abuse, my, um, my journey from being a survivor into stripping and how my cousin groomed me and, you know, about the club and what went on in the club with the men and, you know, the girls that I worked with and how I came out of the whole strip club. I was there for 10 years. So wow. started at 16. I was a junior and senior in high school. I honestly don't know how I did it. Um, I talk about suicide. I try to commit my, I try to commit suicide twice, um, drugs. And it's crazy because when this happened at 16 years old, when I, my first day that I, you know, my cousin dropped me off and she was just like, here, this is now you got to go work. I literally turned 16 And, um, I was sitting in this like garage looking like dressing room and all the girls were mean to me and I was sitting down and there was like this cracked mirror that was beside me. And the floor was cement and was really cold. And I just thought to myself, I'm like, I took like a deep breath and I was like, there's a purpose bigger than me. I don't know what it is, but I'm supposed to be here. Wow. What it what What it was. I got the chills. Me too. I always get the chills when I too. talk about it. I felt it. And like, and I knew deep down inside what she is and what I'm doing and what my whole team is doing. Like, that's the reason why I went through all of these obstacles and just, you know, helping others and raising awareness and really try to help them heal. And, know that they're not alone and there is hope because Mm -hmm. a lot of these girls feel like this is their life and that's it. No, you can get out of it. I got out of it, you know, and you know, you got out of it also. So I feel like no matter what, if we build a community now where you feel safe knowing like, no, I can get out of here. I don't have, this is not who I am and just have that confidence and that self love to really get out of that you can.
0: Yeah. That's so beautiful. So powerful. Thank you. Um, and the book is available.
1: Uh, you can get it on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, um, Walmart. It's out there. It's out there. My <laughs> Natasha is not
0: my name. Right? Natasha's not my name. Okay, cool. and I'll link that as well. So people can find it wherever. Cool. Last question here. What turns you on? What makes you feel erotically
1: alive? Um, See if I think about my partner, Megan. Uh, <laughs> what turns me on is being, I don't know. Oh my God, what is. <laughs> Why am I blanking right now? Um, I just think me and her being alone and feeling safe and creating mm. this like safe space with her and just, I don't know kissing and I'm boring I just like the regular stuff yeah I mean intimacy
0: in general is what it's not like just feeling connected and safe yeah. like what is
1: like feeling safe
0: look like or feel like too I feel like that's such a powerful question especially for I mean it's from my opinion like everyone on earth has some form of like sexual trauma whether it's like physical abuse or just being like non-consensually like yelled at on the street you know um, or like, you know, taking in the conditioning of the church and then like not being able to, mm-hmm. you know, like you know, it, it shows up in so many different ways and in varying intensities. So to me, like, you know, it can be very difficult to feel safe sexually. Yeah. And what does that look like or mean for you?
1: Oh, listen, that's been a huge struggle. I think what makes me feel safe. And, and this, when you were talking, I thought about it is I never could look at, like my past relationships, I can never look at them in the eyes when I was having sex with him with them. I I couldn't, like, I felt weird. I felt like, "Mm, no, I don't want to look at you right now. But with her, like, you know, when we're making love and being intimate, like I look at her in her eyes and I just feel this instant connection. It just really turns me on. And I feel so connected. I feel so safe. And it just, uh, that really turns me on. And like, I don't know. I can just feel like one with her. Yeah. And that is incredible to me.
0: I definitely resonate with that. Like I've also had difficulty like really yeah, seeing, it's like being, scary. Yeah. It, seeing and being seen mm-hmm. is so terrifying because we have like so much conditioning around. Like I'm only worthy of the love if I'm like this way, Yes, you know, and that's complex. So mm-hmm. allowing, both allowing yourself to be seen fully and like knowing that just you're worthy of that love just as you are is like terrifying but so so sexy Mm -hmm. and so liberating so Mm -hmm. beautiful cool well thank you again for joining me today it's been an incredible conversation i know that this is something that everyone's going to get a lot of valuable information from um so thank you for being here and thank you to the listeners for Um, opening yourself up to the idea of sacred intimacy and healing and expansion and we'll see you next week on Talk Tantra to Me.